What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome back to the Roster Watch Podcast. This is Alex Dunlap. My guest today needs very little introduction because you already know him as a serial killer in the fantasy football Twitter streets and a purveyor of the dank stats. He is Scott Barrett of Pro Football Focus. He's the lead fantasy football analyst over there at PFF. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at Scott Barrett DFF. B. Of course, if you'd like to support the Roster Watch podcast, you can do so by getting a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. You'll get access to extra pro podcasts every week and all of our award winning tools. It is only due to the support of listeners like you that all of this is possible. And now we get on to the podcast with my man, my boy, a soon to be Texan, Scott Barrett. This is Cooper Cup, and you're listening to Roster Watch. We got the man on the podcast. You've heard him on the SiriusXM radio show. You've seen him on Twitter, out in the Twitter, the bloody fantasy Twitter streets, (laughs) fighting the good fight. He is Scott Barrett. Scott, what the hell's going on, brother? What's up, Alex? Uh, Happy and excited to to be joining you in Texas in just a few weeks. I can't believe it. We were talking before we came on that you just, you're not ready. You're not ready for the heat. (laughs) Probably not. I'll appreciate it in the wintertime, though, I'm sure. You're going to find it funny as hell coming from New Jersey that, like, the minute it gets down below 40 degrees, like, fucking schools shut down, people get <laughs> off the roads, all of the, all of the, all of the stores run out of water and canned vegetables and everything like that. People going up, oh. go, go into lockdown. So you're going to be like, a, you're going to be like a superhero down there in Houston, man. Like, when it's like. <laughs> 35 degrees outside you'll be the one guy that's like not scared to go drive around and get and get shit done so right it's 55 degrees and people are looking in awe at me not wearing a jacket it it took for it took forever to get you on the pod and the reason i wanted to get you on this week was because we had absolutely huge news a bombshell dropped of course that was a uh, Bilal powell resigning with the new york Jets. <laughs> any, any any thoughts on that uh no 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 thoughts at all uh should be levy on bell back to a levy on bell cow workload uh though it is notable that his his coach didn't really want him so you know keep an eye on the potential handcuffs he, he jettisoned jhi another accomplished running back for nothing um though I, I i do think that workload's really safe i think he should be a fantasy rb1 just uh keep in mind ty montgomery is there too uh, elijah mcguire is there too but he is handcuffed potential that's about it well how do you just like let's talk about Le'Veon. how do you square the thing because the volume absolutely should be there but we know that adam gay sucks he hasn't had a top 20 offense that didn't involve peyton manning i don't know how he keeps getting jobs or how he gets like gm he, he, that dude came in and won, won a goddamn power struggle with the GM before he's even coached <laughs> the game. Uh, but regardless, uh, you, the fact that it's probably going to be certainly going to be an offense, and no matter what we say about Sam Darnold and that we like him, don't like him, whatever, it's, it's not going to be as prolific an offense as the, as the Pittsburgh Steelers. What do you make of – and really not the offensive line – 
But the volume should be there. You know, in fantasy football, we know the volume is king. How much are you kind of – are you moving them down? Like how much do those factors sort of like weigh in? When, like when you're saying the, the, the pros and cons of Le'Veon Bell coming into this year. Yeah, so him not being in Pittsburgh, uh, definitely he sees a bump down in my rankings. Though we know he's going to be a bell cow running back. That's that's my strategy in drafts. I'm bell cow or bust, and, and they're rare. So he's still in that top tier or one of the top tiers. Uh, Adam Gase, as opposed to Mike Tomlin, I don't think it's necessarily really that bad. Uh, so in 2013 with Adam Gase, no Sean Moreno was a top five fantasy running back. CJ Anderson was the number one fantasy running back from week 10 on the next season. Once he was given that bell cow workload, 2015, Matt Forte only played 13 games, finished top seven among running backs. Jay Giant, 2016 fantasy RB one, 2017, uh, Kenyon Drake top 10 fantasy running back from week 12 on once he was given that starting bell cow workload. So we've seen production from Adam Gase running backs before, you know, Le'Veon Bell, uh, head and shoulders above the, the Kenyan Drakes, the, the, uh, no Sean Moreno's of the world. So he should see uh, a robust workload and, and we know what he could do once he's given that one of the best pass catchers in the league. I have him as a late ish first round pick, uh, feel good about that once you factor in all the upside, the risk, his his pedigree. How do you compare him to uh, James Conner, who will be taking, supposedly taking over his job in Pittsburgh? Yeah, so that's another great question. So if you look at um, what James Conner uh, did last year, by literally every single measurement, especially the ones uh, uh, you know I like the most – uh, he blew 2017 Le'Veon Bell out of the water. Uh, and so I wrote this article. I said, why are we valuing James Conner any different than we would Le'Veon Bell last year, two years ago? Unfortunately, uh, the teams kind of showed him a, a lack of courtesy, at least at least a lack of courtesy as far as you'd expect for a Pro Bowl running back who just had the, the hyper-efficient sort of year he had last year. Uh, the Steelers, they, they discussed using both James Conner and Jalen Samuels in the backfield at the same time. Okay, you know, that's not too concerning. Teams run multiple running back sets. But there was a, a pro football talk report that uh, Kevin Colbert, the GM, indicated, uh, quote-unquote, uh, despite having three viable options at tailback, any one of them could potentially become the new workhorse depending on performance. That's just like a little scary to me. And, and because of that, um, maybe also the lack of pedigree behind him, the the the, the Benny Snell draft pick. Uh, I moved Connor from number eight overall in my rankings to number 20. Uh, so a full round jump. Uh, so I'm just a little touch and go. I want to read more reports out of camp. If it's James Connors dominating first team snaps, you know, this is our guy. I'll move him back up, but otherwise, uh, just a little, little uneasy. (laughs) That Kevin Colbert moved him 12, 12 spots for you, man. That's crazy. Like I'm, I'm just so basically you like guys like you like guys like Leonard Fournette, do you like Leonard Fournette, Damian Williams, Marlon Mack, like those guys? Do you like them? Be- 
Tell me which of these guys you like better than, than James Conner. Just say yes or no. Do you like Nick Chubb better? Um, let me pull up my rankings. I'm, I'm pretty bad without my rankings. Okay. Sorry, sorry I just want to be honest. Um, okay, so, so let's start over. Okay, so do you like Nick Chubb better than James Conner? No. Do you like Marlon Mack better than James Conner? No. Do you like Damian Williams better than James Conner? I have Williams one spot below. So you're talking about you're not talking about RB twenty. You're talking about twenty overall, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah. All right. So all right. So uh, so th- these will be better questions. Do you like Dalvin Cook better than James Conner? Yeah. Do you like Mixon better than Conner? For sure, I have Mixon as a first round pick. Really? So all right. Well, talk about Joe Joe Mixon. What is it that you're hoping to see out of him as far as improvement this year? Uh, so I think in like February, uh, he was talking about the, the new offense coming in, uh, and, and getting something like 300 carries. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's super realistic, but, but one thing I am looking forward to is Mixon finally being used as an every down running back bell cow running back, seeing more targets out of the backfield. We saw last year. Um, Mixon was sort of seeding targets to Giovanni Bernard as he had uh, every single season of his career. But Joe Mixon, uh, according to PFF's numbers at least, is probably one of the best receiving running backs in the NFL. Uh, the year he came out, uh, he was our highest-graded receiving running back. Uh, we comped him to Matt Forte. Uh, to date, he has like uh, – He's one of our top five running backs in PFF college history in yards per route run. Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey are, are both in that top five. Uh, so I, I think he has this hidden value as, as sort of a, an elite uh, receiver as a running back. He's done well in that role in college. And I, I don't know why Bernard's been seeing those targets. I, I think he's fine, but I think the offense is better off with Mixon in that bell cow workload. You know, you're not – tipping your play calling hands every time Bernard comes in you know it's a passing play so I say I think this new regime is smart enough uh to 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 finally give Mixon that workload and and you know I I know Bernard makes a lot of money but uh I think the offense is better off going that route Mixon was just I mean getting to see him so much down here when he was at Oklahoma, I always, like in college, I, I thought he just looked exactly like Le'Veon. I thought he looked just like Le'Veon Bell. He was an amazing player in college. Of course, he had the off-field issues. And you look at what the Cincinnati Bengals have done. I mean, a lot of that, like a lot of that shit last year, man, he was, like the, the offensive line was horrible last year. And they've done some nice things to address some of those positions that, you know, they drafted Jonah Williams in the in the first round you're going to have Cordy Glenn now over at the left tackle it's, you know it's going to be a it's going to be a better situation with all those guys coming in there healthy I think things really line up for Mixon I'm, I'm a big fan of him too I don't think I have him quite in the uh quite in the first round discussion but I've been getting him a ton in simulations here where I've been priced in just to take like if he gets to 2.02 I'm taking him and mm-hmm. I, I get I get him almost every time so it's mm-hmm. it's uh it's it's uh I think he's one of these guys that as we get into tr- into redraft season, like in earnest and more kind of people come out touting the guy, I think we might end up seeing him get up to where you have him there as a kind of, you have him as like probably late first round. Yeah. He's uh number 11 overall. 
So to, if you're just staring down the barrel like your first pick between Joe Mixon and then one of these receivers, which which receivers are you going to take over him out of like Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, and Odell Beckham, et cetera? Yeah, so so my uh, so I have Adams, Hopkins, and Kelsey above Mixon, and then the rest of my first round is uh, is running backs. Do you like the way that your drafts turn out when you go tight end so goddamn early? Yeah, I mean, so that's that's the issue is is you know uh, you're you're looking in like our round six, and you're like, well, everyone has better wide receivers than me or better running backs than me. Um, I don't know. I, I still love it, man. I, I just think getting Kelsey is just such an advantage over everyone else. Um, I think it was like so last year he was outscoring the number six uh, fantasy tight end by the same measurement of the overall wide receiver one outscoring uh, the wide receiver 22 and then against the number 12 tight end. It was 10.3 fantasy points per game. Same difference between Tyreek Hill and D.D. Westbrook. So wide receiver one, wide receiver 32. Just a massive differential. Uh, and, and keep in mind, you know, Kelsey wasn't far off from, uh, the, you know, the top wide receiver, the top one, top two wide receivers. Uh, so if Tyreek Hill misses time, you know, Travis Kelsey could be putting up numbers above even Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams. It feels like Tyreek Hill is going is definitely set to miss time at this point too, because even though that investigation's been uh, closed by the by the DAs there in Johnson County, it's like now they're having to wait for some like child advocacy group to fin- child advocacy group to finish their private investigation before the NFL starts theirs. And you know, the minute the NFL starts theirs, you would hope that Commissioner Goodell would just put him on the exempt list and then go from there. Uh, if they're going to do that kind of thing with Adrian Peterson at the beginning of a season, you figure that they would do at least do that with Tyreek Hill in the offseason. So we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm operating under the assumption that Tyreek Hill is going to miss a good portion and or all of the 2019 – are we in 2019? Jesus, we are. Um, 20, <laughs> 20, 2019 season. How are you, like in your head, the way things work dealing with Tyreek Hill, not only just for him – but also for the ancillary pieces around him that are going to be, you know, the Patrick Mahomes, the Travis Kelsey's, the, the Sammy Watkins, et cetera. Um, yeah. So, so I'm with you. Uh, you know, once that tape came out, I feel pretty confident Tyreek Hill is going to miss time. I think at least eight games, probably the full season. Uh, though I, I, I would be buying in dynasty leagues. I, I think he's he's going to play again. I think he's going to play again next year. And for the Chiefs, I, I can't imagine a scenario where you know the Chiefs drop him, and then you know a team like Cleveland picks him up, and it's like, oh well, thanks for the 2020 Super Bowl. Sure, you can call us all a holes, but you know we have a top five wide receiver in the league, and we're going to sweep through the playoffs. Um, as far as what it means for everyone else, yeah, I'm, I'm bumping Travis Kelsey up. Like I said, I have him in the first round. Uh, Sammy Watkins, at right now, I have a low-end wide receiver, too. If there's confirmation that uh, Tyreek Hill is out for the whole year, uh, I'm going to bump him up to a high-end wide receiver, too. Uh, Robinson Hardman, too, gets significant bumps. Patrick Mahomes gets a slight bump down, um, but he's still going to be your, your top quarterback in fantasy by far. 
Uh, right now I have him round player 50 overall. Um, I, I just kind of don't like taking quarterbacks early. It was, um, it's, it's, it's crazy right now to take Patrick Mahomes that early. It's just, I mean, I'm like half the time I saw, I'm seeing like Kirk cousins and stuff go on, un, go undrafted. It's these yeah. It's like, I mean, but we were getting Phillip rivers in the 14th round. You could, I mean, if you want that kind of like, you could take Kyler Murray in the 12th round and take Lamar Jackson with your last pick. And then probably one of those guys you're going to, you're going to hit with a whole bunch of upside with what they can do with their legs. I, I think it's just, I think it's crazy to take Mahomes. That early, but dude, once we get into the like the home leagues and stuff, people are going to be taking him in the first round. Like they're they're going to be taking him in the first round of absolutely, yeah, I absolutely. It yeah. ain't going to happen in the leagues that we play in with the you know right. other analysts on Twitter and shit. But that'll definitely <laughs> that'll definitely happen. Um, what what about Damian Williams? You're higher on him than I am. Not that I didn't really like the way that he looked last year, but you said that you had him just after Joe Mixon. Um, I have a couple guys between them that I like more. I, I kind of like I like I, I like Marlon Mack better. Um, probably like Nick Chubb better. Although I worry a little bit towards the end of the season when, when Kareem Hunt comes. What what is it out of what what is it out of Damian Williams that you like? And are you worried at all that they draft James Williams? They draft Darwin Thompson out of Utah State. They still have Carlos Hyde there. Uh, what's your book on Damian Williams? Uh, yeah, so I, I have James Conner one spot above him. I like Damian Williams because you know they've just keep they've been saying over and over again this is our starting running back. This is why we sign him to the extension. Uh, I just see that Andy Reid offense, and I, I just start drooling. So, in twelve of Andy Reid's last fifteen seasons, his RB one has finished top eight among running backs and fantasy points per game. That's ridiculous. 12 of 15 seasons. That's, that's obscene. That's, yeah. No, no other offensive coordinator, play caller, head coach comes anywhere near that. I get it. He's had, you know, Jamal Charles. He's had LaShawn McCoy. He's had Kareem Hunt. Uh, but it's just, it's just, you know, we know he likes to give his running back a robust workload for the most part. Instead of like one, one or two Spencer Ware seasons. Um, and, you know, he, he played fantastic last season by a bunch of different metrics. And I think uh, most significantly, where is Damian Williams best? He's best as a pass catcher. Uh, and this is going to be a, a high – this is going to be probably the best passing offense in the league. So that's great. Uh, this is a, a team with a really bad defense probably going to be trailing in a lot of games even despite having one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Great. More work for Damian Williams. I think I think his upside is a top five fantasy uh, player easily. Uh, that's if he's given a full bell cow workload and he stays healthy. Uh, and, you know, his floor, if he really is the starter, you've said multiple times like every single month he's the starter. Then then what's his what's what would his floor be uh, as that starter? It would be something like a, you know, 60, 40 split. Um, where he seeds uh, red zone and goal line carries uh, and some early down work, but while still receiving the, the probably the majority of the carries and the, the bulk of the, the passing down work. And, and that's at least a mid range RB two. So you just balance that risk reward. And yeah, I, I feel really good about Damian Williams. He's big too. And he's fast. You know, it's not, yeah. like he's, I mean, he's got, the, he's got a lot of good measurables I mean, it just, it took him a while. I just, 
I just I, I that that that's a really good stat. That twelve of fifteen Andy Reid seasons is 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 very interesting. Maybe I, I'm going to make a little note here about Damian Williams that I probably need to think a bit about him. Um, I get a good stat on Marlon Mack too. Uh, I I know you said you like him, but uh, I just don't see him supplanting Naheem Hines for passing down work and in, in, in PPR leagues that just really has me nervous. He was a guy who was massively game script sensitive. Uh, what I mean by that was he scored 70% of his fantasy points in games Indianapolis won by 14 or more points. So basically, he was only useful for fantasy in massive blowouts. And, you know, that was 70% of his fantasy points in what really amounted to like 30% of his games. And I think even just projecting uh, Indianapolis to win. Uh, 30% of the games by 14 or more points again is, is kind of a stretch. Uh, so he, uh, to, to me, for him to, to be a strong value, he needs to, uh, really supplant Himes for that passing down work. I'm not sure he can. And, and I'll just be getting the majority of my, um, uh, exposure to him in DFS where, oh, okay, Vegas has Indianapolis heavily favored. This is a Mac game. But, uh, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts because, I mean, I, I know you've nailed running backs uh, every time we've talked about them. Well, I just uh, – this like I, I'm, I'm – my conviction about Marlon Mack continues to change because it's like – do you have PFF stats about how many negative runs he, he had as a rookie? I'm sure you guys had – he had so many goddamn negative runs. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm, so, I'm, I'm being serious. It was more than I could ever imagine. I'm, I'm like this guy is – I thought he came in with the, with the, with the skill set and with the pedigree, really. I mean he, he went to USF, but if you look back at him as a high school recruit, totally like a really highly touted guy. But I, I, th- I, th- I thought he looked. I thought he looked like shit as a rookie. And then it's like yeah. towards. And, but then in his second season, uh, looked better once he got the volume and everything. And I thought, you know, with Andrew Luck coming back and with this thing looking like, you know, the, what Vegas has him at ten and a half wins for an over under. You know, um, that could kind of lead to possibly thinking that some of these game scripts were a little bit going to be in a, a, a little bit better spot. But then, I mean, if I look at my strength of schedule tool, like using uh, run stop percentage and, and projected game script and some of these other stats, some from PFF, some from Sports Info Solutions, some from our own in-house stuff, it's like, I mean, the Colts, it, it looks like the Colts have basically this one, two, three, four, five, six, the seventh worst schedule overall for opposing running backs and out of the gate. So they'll have um, out of the gate, not as bad because they'll get Atlanta and Oakland in two of their first four matchups. But then after the bye, things get brutal. They have Houston, Denver, Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, Houston, Tennessee. Then they'll have an easy one at Tampa and then they have New Orleans. So it's like, I mean, if you're looking for spots where they're going to be getting up 14 points, as you said, to where he what, did you say he scored 70 percent of his fantasy points when, when when they were up 14 points or more, something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, well, I'm going to flip flop him and Damian Williams. <laughs> the 2019 Roster Watch cheat sheet is available now at rosterwatch.com. The revolutionary cheat sheet to change fantasy football forever is back only at rosterwatch.com. Winning fantasy football players don't use outdated magazines or expensive draft software that's impossible to navigate. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet 
All you have to do is follow the three simple rules. That's it, three rules. Guys, it couldn't be easier. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet, an expert quality draft is guaranteed. It's magical, it's mystical, it's mythical. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet, only at rosterwatch.com. All right. Um, in in that same uh, in in that same uh, area, I know you've always kind of been a Leonard Fournette hater, right? Yeah. So you you do you still hate him, or could this finally be the year? No, he's actually one of my guys now. <laughs> I, I think I think that hates just just brought him to a point where uh, he's he's finally a value, um, and and I don't think he's good. You know, I've said since 2017 he was way too high of a pick. I, that year I liked Dalvin Cook more. I liked Kareem Hunt more, all guys who went multiple rounds later. That was, that was in the pre-draft process. Um, but, but I mean, now we're talking fantasy value. And, you know, I, I get he's not going to be efficient on the ground, but uh, I, I'm a volume chaser, and that volume is going to be great. Uh, people are looking at – so his rookie season, he, he ranked uh, sixth, in fantasy points per game, third in touches per game. If you count the the postseason as well, uh, so so last year you look at his per game numbers and it looks atrocious. Uh, but you got to kind of do some readjusting because he left multiple games early due to uh, injury or suspension, or one was an ejection. And so uh, he really was only on the field for for 26 of a potential 32 quarters. And then if you adjust for that. Uh, Fournette like saw very little drop off in usage or production. He averaged 23.8 touches, 18.5 fantasy points per four quarters. Uh, you know, those, those beat Dalvin cooks numbers. And that's despite, uh, a yards per carry average that ranked bottom three, um, of like 55 qualifiers. Um, and you know, you know, he was playing hurt. So that I think that does play a role in his efficiency. And really it's just, the guy has all of this massive draft capital behind him. Doug Marone, Tom Coughlin spent this high draft pick to acquire him over guys like, you know, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes. They don't want to look like idiots. So what are they going to do? They are just going to give him the rock this year. And, and what kind of competition does he have? Uh, minimal. I mean, draft Raquel Armstead in the last round. That sounds like a great, uh, great move. But but really, I, I don't see any of these guys really uh, eating, eating too much into touches. And he should rank top three in touches again uh, per game again, which if you're drafting this guy in like, what is it, the mid to late second round? I, yeah, I think that's a great value. No, I mean, you can, you can get him now in the third. I'm yeah, wow. Him in the third, like a 3.03. So for, like, for me, even if I – I've begun to, begun to get a little bit worried about Fournette's ankle and just about like – until he can hold up for a season, I'm just going to consider the fact that maybe I only get 12 games out of the guy. But even if it's right. 3.03, 3.04, if, 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 if I know that I can draft Reichwell Armstead, who's going to be a stud, as his, at like, it's like the value of a guy that you think is going to be a you – know, handcuffs are hard to pick sometimes. And so I think that with Reichwell Armstead, I think it's a pretty easy handcuff to nail down. The fact you can get him late, nobody's going to be trying to snipe that handcuff from you at the very end. It makes taking Leonard Fournette a little bit easier there, in the, in the, certainly in the, in the third round. You mentioned earlier about when we were talking about Damian Williams, you talked about Andy Reid. Uh, whenever we look at his old team, the Philadelphia Eagles, how, do you think they're ever going to get away from having such a committee at the running back position do you believe in Miles Sanders? His his ADP has jumped 
from 128 in best ball 10s going back to February, now all the way up to like 68. And I see him sometimes going in the sixth round. Where are you on that guy? Obviously, I mean, I know you're an I know you're into the analytics and everything like that. And you know, as far as his spark scores and everything, we know that he's a freak. We know that he was fairly productive there at Penn State. But can he be a guy that the Eagles finally decide to use in a in a bell cow role? And 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 while you're answering that, can you can you talk about you talk so much about bell cows? How do you like? How does that? How do you quantify a, a bell cow? Yeah, so originally what I, I, I did was running backs who played uh, on at least 66% of their team's snaps while drawing 66% of their team's uh, carries and targets in games active. And then since then, I, I've, I've changed it to – I've played with, with a, a bunch of different ones. I, I My favorite is, is looking at uh, expected fantasy point market share, which is just a stat – uh, I created. Uh, but I mean, if you want an, a more simplistic way to do it, you can look at just basically snap share. Um, s- nothing correlates better uh, to fantasy production for running backs than, than snaps and snap share. It, it's crazy. Like above carries, above <laughs> targets, wild. above opportunities, things where you're like actually getting fantasy points, snaps is more important. So you really want those guys who are just constantly on the field and playing both as a runner and receiver in the offense and not giving up those touches to anyone else. Uh, but I, it, it's massively important because, you know, like we talked about with Marlon Mack, where a guy who, you know, saw such a, a huge amount of his fantasy points come in just a relatively few weeks. You don't want guys who are game script sensitive, who are volatile on a week to week basis. You want guys with, you know, massive upside, uh, high floor. It's uh, why Christian McCaffrey was my number one player last year saw that bell cow workload coming. Uh, and it's just, it's just so huge for fantasy. Your league winners are your bell cow running backs way more valuable than wide receivers. They're tough to, to nail. You have a high hit injury risk, but just the upside you get from them is, is way high up there. Uh, so I'm, I'm obsessed with bell cows. You hear, you heard me talk about it a lot on the podcast. So for Miles Sanders, I think is a really interesting guy. I, I spent literally an entire day debating back and forth, with uh, Eagles beat writer Mike Hay on this exact question. <laughs> so Mike Mike Hay is such a nice guy. That's funny. Such, I such can't see nice... him debating with anybody. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it was it was a fun back and forth. Very 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 uh, good tempered. Uh, so my reasoning for Miles Sanders as a bell cow was um, the Eagles just drafted him seventy nine picks higher than they've ever drafted another running back uh, during Howie Roseman's 10-year tenure. Uh, You watch the post-draft press conference. Howie Roseman says Miles is a guy who can play all three downs. Running back coach Doug Peterson talk about we like him uh, as a pass blocker, not worried about the fumble thing, think he's a great pass catcher. Uh, And Howie Roseman made it very clear that Doug Peterson – was banging the drum on this pick. He was kind of, you know, a little beside himself on having to take a running back so early. But Doug Peterson just looks so excited. This is Doug Peterson's pick. Uh, so that made me think, okay, yeah, you don't want to tip your hand to the opposing defense. You know, 
whenever Jordan Howard comes in, it's going to be a running play. Whenever Darren Sproles or whoever his replacement is going to be, it's going to be a, a passing play. So I, I felt like the, the offense could benefit from that uh, do-it-all running back. I saw that being Sanders, you know, a guy who actually totaled more rushing yards than Saquon Barkley in the same offense last year uh, and on only three more carries. Not as good of a receiver, but a, a guy with talent nonetheless. Talked to Mike Hay. And he's he kind of hit me with some more recent quotes that are, you know, typical uh, from, you know, coaches this time of the year. Uh, He's you know, he's talented, but we have we have three guys we all really uh, feel good about in their specific role in this offense. So it's just hard to gauge if that's just typical, you know, coaches not wanting to put too much in a rookie's shoulders or they actually do want to go with the committee. my personal feeling, my guess is that um, by like week 10, week nine, he's going to see uh, the majority of the work. I don't know if it's a true bell cow workload, but I, I do see him getting the, the majority of the work. Well, but so are, I mean, are you are you taking him? Are you, <laughs> yes. Are you are you, are you are you getting him often? I mean, you could probably got to take him. I mean, so in best ball, he's going a little bit higher than he's going right now in these early redraft leagues on. Let's see, I'm pulling ADP here from, like, my fantasy league, FF Calculator, RT Sports, and Fantrax. So, like, smaller smaller PPR sites. But uh, So this will change a lot probably once we start pulling ADP from Yahoo and ESPN and stuff. But I'm looks, looking right now, RB35, 85th overall. So we're talking, what, seventh round is 84. So the seventh, eighth round turn right yes turn. yeah so I, I i'm definitely taking him there I, I think that's a good value for a guy who could you know be this featured back or bell cow halfway through the season uh, and plus like look at the guys behind him uh, i'm not sure anyone else really stands out of daryl henderson's behind him i i'd consider that I, I like his upside uh lamar miller if he might be behind him maybe although you and me both like donta foreman and then after that it just like yeah, I, I don't want to take Latavius Murray, Rashad Penny, Tevin Coleman, Jarek McKinnon, Royce Freeman, uh, Ito Smith. Yeah, n- none of those guys excite me. None of those those guys have Sanders' potential. So, yeah, I, I feel good about taking him there. What about Chris Carson? Do you take Chris Carson before Miles Sanders? Uh, I probably have Carson ahead of my ranks, but I, I do think that's a really close call. Uh, it's just – I. I you know, we know Seattle is going to be one of the most run heavy offenses in the league. That's exciting. But we also know it's going to be a massive committee, whereas with, with Sanders, it's it's less of a, a given, I think, that it should be a committee. And also should have just said Jordan Howard isn't someone who has me nervous in the slightest, as are a lot of the other names on that team. Yeah, I mean, Josh Adams just sucks. I mean, who else do they use? <laughs> he just really does, huh? He's just, he's yeah. just, he's just, he's, he's, he's no good. And I'm, I'm trying to think. I know I'm missing, I mean, Jay Ajay's not there anymore. Who am I missing else on that roster? Is Wendell Smallwood still there? Is that it? Um, I mean, Boston I, Scott, Corey geez, Clement, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. it's Corey Clement. Okay, all right. So they drafted Miles Sanders for a reason. I probably need to. 
I need to reevaluate sort of where I am on him. I'm just, I'm just so, I just can't stand Doug Peterson looking at that goddamn camera and telling us that Ryan Matthews is going to get all the touches and so and so is going to get all the touches. And then like to the, it comes to the week and they get like nine touches and it's just such <laughs> a yeah. Beat your beat, beat your head against the wall trying to trying to figure those things out. All right, so we've talked a lot about running backs, man. I know you, I, I know you got stuff to do, so I'll get you out of here on a, just a few wide receiver questions. There's sort of a pocket of these guys that are going kind of in this, uh, let's just see sort of where this is on the ch- roster watch cheat sheet. Somewhere in like the, when you start getting to like the mid-level wide receiver two-ish type of plays, you start getting into guys that, you know, ha- have definitive upside but might have their warts too. Guys like, let's just say, Kenny Galladay, Chris Godwin, and Tyler Boyd. Out of those three, is there is there one guy that you like most? Um, I'm looking at my rank. I have Galladay two spots ahead of Godwin, and, and then Boyd uh, a little bit farther down. Yeah, I really don't care much for any of those guys. That those are guys I'm much lower on than ADP, and the compared to the rest of my peers, I just typically don't take shots on guys like that who are pretty unproven just like hyped year after year oh this is the year chris godwin's gonna bring it no no, this is the year um it's i mean been, it's been like that for galladay too even though he hadn't been in the league that long but people have been expecting you every i mean every year and, and every game basically right i mean they're all they're all borderline low end wide receiver two high end wide receiver threes for me in that like 23 to 27 range uh, although, like, like I just said, I don't don't really take pie in the sky shots on these upside hype guys. And then I, I'm looking right now, and I have DJ Moore higher than than any of them, just two spots higher than Galladay. But that's that's sort of a, an upside guy I, I do, do like D- a lot. Do you have DJ Moore higher than like Robert Woods and stuff? Uh, no, no, I, I have Robert Woods in the top twenty. I have DJ Moore twenty three. So okay. What about Tyler Lockett? Do you kind of slip, slip, do you slip him in sort of that little in, in that area as, as well? Right, right in the middle at, at wide receiver twenty. Who's the who's the one wide wide receiver who you think you're probably higher on that, towards the top right now that you find yourself getting over and over again, which means you're likely higher than industry consensus. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, AJ Green is up there. Julian Edelman. Um, I have a, I have a lot of the Rams wide receivers kind of just cause, uh, I value them all similarly. So I, I just take the last one and that's typically Cooper cup. Uh, I mean, if you look at only the games, he didn't leave early due to injury last year. Uh, he was a top five wide receiver, uh, in fantasy points per game. 